Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of IDS Talks. My name is Hunter McMahon, and I'm the COO at IDS, and I'm joined here today by Dan Plunkett of McGlinchey Stafford. Today, we're going to be talking about having a great conversation, talking all things about building authentic relationships. Now, before we get started, Dan, give us a quick background about yourself. Practicing lawyer in New Orleans, Louisiana for more than 30 years. I love doing government investigations and complex board level litigation, and I manage our litigation group nationwide. You've had quite the background in so far as changing different roles within the firm. You've been with the firm for a very long time. Give us the quick highlights. Started as a law clerk 30 some years ago. Um, practice only with this firm. Uh, my wife practiced, practiced with this firm before she converted to an HR role. So it really has been a big part of my life for a long time. I've watched a lot of young people grow up um, in the firm, and I've seen a lot of changes in the practice of law over time. And I'm eager to talk with you about some of those. Awesome. Now, for our listeners, a fun factoid about Dan and myself, you know, recently over the last couple of years, we've enjoyed morning walks with warm coffee on cool mornings, albeit virtually for now. Looking forward to it being back in person sometime soon. But uh, over the course of those conversations, you know, we've had a lot of great tangents along the way and talking about how things have evolved over the last couple of years and building authentic relationships You've had some recent conversations about just that. Can you give us some of the highlights? Absolutely. Um, in my new role, it's been about a year as the practice group leader for the firm, and I manage one of five groups, 35, maybe 40 members now. Um, I've had to explore how to meet people where they are, how to gain their trust, um, get them to be open with me about their hopes, dreams, realities, problems, impediments. And oddly, I manage a group that I was not a part of before I became the manager or leader. So I was starting not from scratch, but certainly from, I was the new coach in town, right? Had to meet the team. So I've thought a lot about these issues and, and the COVID overlay for me has been a spectacular benefit. Okay, you're going to have to give us a little bit more than that. <laughs> How so, sir? Not everybody's telling you that they enjoyed COVID? N not everybody, but I, I know personally, uh, one of my great stories from that is that the first two years of my daughter's life, I, I got to see her more in those first two years than I did the first two years of my other three kids combined. And so I think that there were a lot of aspects that allowed us to see into each other's lives in a different way. Everything from the, the kids' uh, school test, the picture of family in the background, as you can see, and the listeners can't see the wood wall that's behind me that my son and I built the November before everything shut down. So there's a lot of conversations that we can have now that I don't know that we got the insights on before when we were, as you put it the other day, stuck in the conference room. Absolutely. And the fact that I know the story of that wall behind you gives us a connection that we would not have had but for COVID, right? So all of these Zoom calls that we've had, I've gotten to peek into what's important to the people that I work with, clients and colleagues. 
Is it a piece of art? Do they blur the background? Maybe that tells me something. But is there a piece of art? Is there a, a sh bright shade, an unusual shade of paint on their walls? Is it their diploma? Is it a picture of their family? Um, all of those things can give insight. And in that first minute of a call when you're waiting for people to join, I can ask, Hunter, what's the story of that wall? You're only too happy to tell me because it was important to you. But now I know. And I know something about you beyond your you know, HGTV lifestyle. But you have a connection with your son. You like doing the projects with your son. It, it's all data. It's all information that I never had pre-COVID. And it's helped me accelerate some authentic relationships. So now let's talk about the balance though, right? I, I think that there is a, a definite value of being able to have a quick conversation because we can pick up the phone. Uh, I think that the barriers to conversation have lowered because everybody's on their mobile or everybody's just a Zoom call away. But that has a double edge on that, that now you can schedule a Zoom at the drop of a hat and you're not, you're not, being respectful of boundaries when somebody needs to get out of the office, that needs to be unavailable, that needs to attend to a family function. We, we've commingled these worlds for benefit, but also some distraction. We have, and it, it hasn't been perfect. But I also think that we've increased the amount of grace and the amount of space that we give ourselves and we give others. My children are grown. COVID in terms of parenting was not much of a burden on me. I work with people though who have little kids who are now home where they were school teacher and babysitter and all of the roles. And you just had to meet those people where they were. What do you need? What's the scheduling that'll work for you? How can we do this? No, your dog yapping in the background doesn't bother me a bit right? Mommy, I need a red crayon. Take all the time you need. Um, we learned some things about each other when we became more human. Used to be, let's have a quick call. Let's be machine-like. Let's plow through those issues. COVID changed that. It reminded us all of some mortality, some humanity, um, that you've got kids, you've got problems, you've got a life. You're not just hunter, COO. No, I'm husband, father, everything else that goes along with that. One of the things that we were talking about recently was being the real you in that in that element, right? And being exposed that way, being authentic yourself to gain that authenticity of a relationship. What are some of the examples that you've incorporated over the last couple of years that maybe you wouldn't have when you started with the firm back as a law clerk? I mean, you've probably seen an evolution of relationships as a whole, but rapid development over the last, call it three to five years. Yeah. And that three to five years, by the way, coincides with the DEI movement really becoming not a pitch or a slogan or, or some way that we differentiate ourselves from our competition, but a mandate, an industry-wide, a business-wide, a, um, national mandate that this is now part of our business life could always be a part of our personal life, but now it is in our business life as well. And so what I've seen is an acceleration of letting people be their authentic selves. 
So I was talking with my wife this morning. I said, I'm going to talk with Hunter later today about authentic relationships. Help me define what that might be. What's required? So do you have to have shared values? And, I, and I'll put you on the spot. Um, do you think that to have an authentic relationship, you have to have shared values? No. Do you have to have common goals? No. Do you have to have honesty? Yes. And do you have to bring your authentic self? Yes. Okay. You have exactly the same answers as I do. And as my wife, who happens to be our chief diversity officer at the law firm, same answers as she had. And so I wanted to explore those shared values. We've all talked for so long about how much easier it is to have a relationship where you share values. You have those things in common. And that's right. And maybe to have an authentic friendship or an authentic alliance to accomplish something, we need shared values or goals, but not to have an authentic relationship. I contend you can have authentic relationship with your used car dealer. I agree. The, the definition of that relationship may be different. And I think one of the things that when you open up that authenticity and you understand that not everybody will align with you, with your values, your goals, that's okay. Guess what? We, we need different. We need everybody thinking about, or I'm sorry, we need people thinking about different things because that's how we grow and evolve. If everybody was thinking about the exact same thing with the exact same goals, very few could be successful because we're all competing against the same goals. Yes. Growth doesn't happen in comfort. Now, when, when you talk about being authentic, one of the uh, recent discussion I had is is the distinction between the most authentic I want to be at work versus the authentic self I want to be at home. And understanding that for some, there may be a very different version of that, that they want to bring to work, but having the, the ability to make that decision themselves rather than having to put a filter on because that's what is accepted. Yes, I agree with you 100%. And I would like you to consider taking that one step further. Love it. My grandmother often said, just because it's true doesn't mean you have to say it out loud. Okay? So being authentic is to me that you can be genuine and vulnerable in your words and in your actions. And that you're congruent. That is, your words and actions um, mirror or are in harmony with what you're feeling. But none of that means you have to say it. None of that means I have to tell you I am homosexual. I am of a particular race. I'm of a particular gender. I have a religious affiliation. I get to choose whether to do it, but nothing compels me to say all those things. So in my authentic relationship with the car dealer, I don't need to tell him that the reason that I love that color blue is because it reminds me of my grandmother. In fact, it might jack the price up of the car. But so I get to choose what I share, how much I let you in. And the more I let you in, the more and deeper that relationship becomes. But it's not necessary. I, I think that's important. And, and it 
traverses both the workplace, right? We want to make sure that we create an environment that everybody can be the authentic self that they want to be. But it also goes to clients. And I know you've got some neat stories about relationship with clients, but also an evolution of who you've been over the course of the years as their advisor um, and, and who you've been able to include in conversations now with new opportunities. Can you give us a little bit of insights on that? Do you have at, at in your family the brother or uncle or someone who doesn't say much, but whenever they do, people pay attention? Absolutely. I'm not that guy. <laughs> Historically, I've not been that guy. I've been the guy that has the clever, quip, comeback, comment to virtually everything. It's just who I am. I'm a smart ass. Okay. So until very recently, when I realized that my clients expect the guy with the gray beard to um, be a little more circumspect, to be more like the wise aunt who doesn't talk all the time, but says wise things when she does. Um, and so I've got a new favorite saying, don't just say something, sit there. Caught you, didn't I? I feel like don't, I had to pause before I responded to that. Don't just say something, sit there. If you're thinking about how to build an authentic relationship, you need to know who the other person is, where they're coming from. What do they need from you? What do they want from you? What do they expect of you? What are they comfortable telling you or not telling you? You get none of that from talking. You only get that from listening. And and actually, I would use the example of you and, and IDS in general, but but you're the one I call, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story about Hunter. You are slow to answer, but quick to respond. Okay, so I send you a problem. Might be a voicemail, might be a text, might be an email. You're pretty slow to answer, but you're always quick to respond. Dan, I'm in a meeting. I'll be out at 1130. You will be the first call I return. Okay. That's all I needed from you right in that moment. I know now that what's important to me is important to you. And I've made progress towards solving my problem. You haven't answered anything, but you responded. <laughs> right? Okay. Yep. Okay. You may also then get me on the phone and say, okay, slow down. Tell me this and this and this and this. And then you ask four other question, questions to get more information. And then I might finally get an answer from you. But how much more valuable is that answer than if you'd have just popped off a quick answer from the start? Absolutely. It, it, it truly is the, I'll call it the advisory capacity as opposed to the tactician. Right, the ability to sit there and digest the information, but it, I think that goes a little bit back towards the authenticity that we've been talking about, which is understanding what is going on before you respond and appreciate the full context of it. And clients value their advisors. In business, we all want to be the one that the client calls when it's on fire, the trusted advisor. 
Trusted advisors ask questions. Trusted advisors listen to the answers before they try to solve problems. I had to learn that. I was the funny kid who sat in the back of the classroom who had an answer for everything. That guy didn't get paid very much. That guy's not successful. And ultimately, that guy is not content in his relationships because stuff stays at the surface. You want a marriage that's built on quick quips and witty comebacks and saying whatever comes to your mind? Sounds like a short marriage to me. It sounds like hell. <laughs> it sounds like hell. So, and and that leads me to a, to another concept that that I've been learning, which is I call it appropriate honesty. Ooh, I like that tagline. We can all agree that an authentic relationship requires honesty. Okay, that's that's almost unassailable. Certainly, Agreed. it has to be the absence of deceit. Okay, but appropriate honesty. So you and I are walking into a into a pitch. We're going to meet this prospective new client, and I say, um, Hunter, do you think my tie is too bold? Okay, at this point, this is the tie I'm wearing to the pitch. Right? No chance I can change it. And if you say, you know what? I've been meaning to tell you, I think it's ugly, and you should never have worn it. Thanks for the honesty, but what have you accomplished in that moment? You've, I have just put you on edge and now doubting everything in the presentation. Wasn't helpful, pal. Not at all. But what if you had said, I think it will read as bold and eager and energetic and open? Still honest. Still with honest. a positive collar as opposed to a negative feedback loop. And then after the meeting, you could say, look, let's revisit the tie. Please don't ever wear that again. It's hideous. <laughs> okay, but by then we'll have already landed the client and been successful. So there's, there's a time and place for that type of feedback and a way to engage, not to leave somebody in the dark or be dishonest by any means. But timing of that is where the critical point comes in. Authentic doesn't require you to say all of the truth all of the time. Right? And so just just having giving each other the grace to not lay that on me right then before the pitch is authentic and it's appropriate honesty. No, I, I really like that. And, and I think this goes back to something earlier in the conversation, which is being the true self, right? Being who you are, as opposed to trying to be a fake you. Going back to authentic you, authentic relationships, and letting that come out in your client relationships, letting that be part of it, as opposed to having to put on a facade. Have you seen an evolution on that front where... You used to only talk in a suit and tie in a conference room, something formal to that effect, to something more casual that has actually deepened a relationship that may be less formal, less traditional, but is more authentic. One of my most treasured possessions is a almost 30 
well, they're 31 years old, 31 year old cowboy boots that I purchased as a reward to myself when I passed the bar exam. They are peanut brittle, orangey brown, full quill ostrich boots. Nothing subtle about them. I didn't wear them to the office until about the past year because they didn't read as trusted advisor, buttoned up bank lawyer. Guess what? I no longer care because my authentic self is a pair of jeans, probably with some oil stains from the driveway and my boots. So I I wear them all the time now. Are you wearing them right now? I wish that I were. <laughs> Though I did wear my IDS socks recently. Got a lot of compliments on those, by the way. Beautiful, Excellent. beautiful socks for all the listeners. IDS is leading the industry in apparel. Very well done. But Those socks have a neat story behind them too because they were made by a group that supports less fortunate and each sock is signed by the person who made the socks. Love so there, there's a whole story behind those socks and how they support those, those that need the help. Love it. Love it. And, and I've seen this evolution both in me as I become more comfortable. And, and some of that is you just hit an age at where your place in your community, whatever community that may be, business, personal, social, is – fairly well established. I don't want to say that there's not a whole lot of people I need to impress anymore, but I've either impressed them already, am never going to impress them, or am only going to impress them by truly being me. So I might as well just cut to the chase and just be me. I love that. So, but, but you, you just talked about 31 years established. You've been with the same firm what about the younger professionals that are just now getting going, that they're trying to figure that landscape out? What advice do you have for them that says you need to be the authentic self, but here's how, here's, here's what to think about? Yeah, I, I, I hesitate to answer that question because it's going to be like, be yourself, but maybe tone it down right. a bit. Right. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't mean that. Um, and I, and I would hesitate to ever tell somebody, you know, pick and choose or only be part of yourself because that's antithetical to the message of being authentic and genuine. Absolutely. But I want to give them the freedom that what is material to them and material about them can come to the office. Doesn't mean every single part of them has to come to the office, at least not every day, right? But what's material, what's truly important to them, I want to give them the grace and space to bring that to the office, to respect that that's who they are, and to be grateful to them for sharing it with me. So when you told me the story about you and your son building that wall, I love that. And it was a compliment. Dan, you're somebody who I value enough to tell you something about my life. It's not obvious in that wall. It doesn't look like the work of a child, right? But you honored me with that blessing, that gift of sharing something. 
And I try to approach the younger lawyers in the same way, that if that's something that they felt was material enough to bring to the office, to display in the office, to talk about in the office, I should take that as a compliment. I should honor that. And I should make sure I do what I can to make them comfortable. So that, I, I think that might be the best takeaway here. And it goes back to some of the first things that we were saying in, in this conversation, though, was it's not just about being the authentic version of yourself, but it's truly being authentic into your listening of others and being respectful of others' authentic selves. But you just talked about the need for that that feedback, if you will, or that acknowledgement that their version, we may not have the same goals, the same values, the same focus, the same, you know, morning routines for all it's worth, but absolutely respect the other person, but truly being curious and authentic about that so that they can understand the value that you have of their true version or true authentic self. I can't possibly expect you to be vulnerable to me if I'm defensive to you. It's not going to work. Nope. And the leader, the more senior person, the boss has to go first. Has to go first to make it a comfortable situation for them to be vulnerable and genuine. So you've got to be who you are. So I wear my boots. I talk about my children. My background at home typically is, is of a very religious scene. If you want to look into my life, you're going to see what's important to me. You're going to see the genuine. I'm not blurring the background, not putting up a corporate logo. What you see is what you get. You don't have to like it. I ask you to respect it, and we can be authentic with each other, even if we were arch enemies. That's the perfect way to round out the conversation. I think that uh, there are some awesome takeaways from this this conversation. It has been one of my favorite, as usual, with yourself. Uh, Dan, I want to thank you for coming and joining us today and our listeners for joining us to listen in. Uh, if you'd like to know more or learn about uh, IDS, please subscribe. Uh, visit IDSinc.com or wherever you normally get your podcasts. And thanks again for joining us, Dan. Some sage advice from somebody that's been in the industry. Thanks, Hunter. Don't just say something. Sit there. <laughs>